The Gospel according to John, chapter 20, verses 11 through 18. But Mary stood weeping outside the tomb. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb, and she saw two angels in white, sitting where the body of Jesus had been lying, one at the head, the other at the feet. They said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, They have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. When she had said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you looking for? Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, Sir, if you had carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned and said to him in Hebrew, Rabuni, which means teacher. Jesus said to her, Do not hold on to me, because I have not yet ascended to the Father. But go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord. And she told them that he had said these things to her. The second reading is from Paul's letter to the Ephesians, chapter 3, verse 20. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in us, to him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. This is the word of God for the people of God. I recently had a conversation with a business owner here at Ebenezer Church. The coronavirus outbreak had caused one of the contracts that this business owner was working with to be put on hold. They were worried about whether or not they would have sufficient income to pay their staff. I imagine many of you have had similar worries in recent weeks. So we prayed together. And when we prayed, I really, really believed that God was going to do something. That was about 6 o'clock one night. A couple hours later, I got an email that said, miraculously, this contract had been released and that the company was going to be okay. Because God is good and God is powerful. And the truth is, I never have any trouble believing in the power of God when it's your problem. But when it's my own problem? That's one of the things I've discovered about my faith. I have great faith in God when it comes to the lives of other people, but when I am intimately familiar with the complexities of the issue I am facing, combined with the intimacy of my familiarity with my own brokenness, those two things can combine to make Rob wonder sometimes if Rob and God have got this thing. I assume I'm not the only person who has faith like that. It's so easy to say amen to the work that God is doing in other people's lives. But sometimes we can struggle to remember that God is powerful in our own lives. Sometimes we can question, does God really have the capacity to provide for me and for my family in a time like this? Can God heal my marriage? Can God keep my kids safe? Can God help secure my job? Can God forgive my past? 
Of course, the answer to all of these questions, of course the answer is yes. Last week on Easter, we talked about how because the dead man lives again, we live in a world of possibility. We serve a powerful God who can do amazing things. We heard a challenge last week to step away from negativity and skepticism in favor of believing the great promise of God found in Scripture, particularly the promise in Ephesians chapter 3. It comes from Ephesians 3, verse 20 and 21, and here's what it says. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in us, to him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. God is able to do exceedingly, abundantly more than we could ever ask or even imagine. And over the course of the next few weeks, we're going to strive to understand three little words that come from this promise. Three words that have the power to revolutionize our lives and our faith. God is able. Throughout the next few weeks, we're going to explore the fullness of the promise found in Ephesians chapter 3. But today, we're simply going to focus on those first six words. Now to him who is able. With the help of the story of Mary Magdalene, we're going to talk about how we can better understand and believe in our own lives the profound ability of God. But before Mary helps us understand that God is able, I want to begin by looking at the very first word of this promise. Now. Now. Right now, here, presently, in this moment, now. When I was in college, I was given an assignment by a professor. She was trying to help us understand the difficulty of simply staying in the present moment. And so she assigned us this task. She said, go back to your residence halls, and I want you to walk down the dormitory hallway, concentrating on nothing but your feet. Just focus on the act of walking itself. It's been 20 years ago that I received that assignment, and I still remember how remarkably difficult it was to simply pay attention to being, to what I'm doing in this moment. I take a few steps and my attention will be drawn away. There are so many things that compete for our attention. So many things we have to plan for, so many things that we have to worry over that we can really struggle to focus on right now. My guess is that there are even people who are watching this worship service, who in this very moment, rather than paying attention, rather than giving ourselves over to hearing what God might say, our minds at this moment, right now, are actually focusing on something else, some fear or some concern. That's why Paul starts this doxology, this effusive praise for the power of God by situating it in this moment. 
It'd be easy to trust God's power in the past because we've seen God's power in the past. We can look back and we can see the ways that God has provided for us and brought us up to this moment. We can trust in God's power in the past. We can even trust for God's power in the future. We can believe that, you know, in time, God's going to work everything out. But here, Paul wants us to know that God's dominion is not simply over yesterday or tomorrow. God's power is for right now. Now. In your life and in mine, God is able right now. God is powerful right now. No matter what we are facing, it is under God's feet now. Paul begins the promise of God's power in our lives by situating it in this moment. God is able right now. What does it mean, though, for God to be able in our lives? Mary Magdalene found out firsthand in the story we read today what the power of God really, really is. And if we look closely at Mary's encounter with the risen Christ, we'll learn not only something about our great God and God's power, we'll also learn a number of things about ourselves. If you have a Bible, please open it with me to John chapter 20. We're going to start reading in verse 11. Here's what it says. Mary stood weeping outside the tomb. And as she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb. And she saw two angels in white sitting where the body of Jesus had been lying. One at the head, the other at the feet. And they said to her, woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, they have taken away my Lord and I do not know where they have laid him. Here's the first thing to see about Mary's encounter with the power of God. Mary looked into the tomb, and she saw two angels sitting in white, and what does she notice? All she sees is what isn't there. Two angels sitting right in front of her. By all accounts, angels are impressive, awe-inspiring creatures. That's why every single time an angel shows up in the Bible, it starts by saying, don't be afraid. You don't have to start your sentences with, don't be afraid, if you look like Pastor Monica, who, though tiny, is fierce. She just doesn't have to say, don't be afraid, every time she talks. Angels were fierce. They were noticeable. Mary didn't notice. She can't see the messenger of God right in front of her. And it actually gets worse. Not only does she fail to recognize God's messenger, she fails to recognize God. Look at verse 14. When she had said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there. But she did not know that it was Jesus. I wonder how many times God has shown up in our lives and we simply failed to recognize it. I guarantee you that God is at work in your life right now. In this very moment, God is working in your life 
to bring redemption and hope and healing and forgiveness and power right now. But so often, so often we fail to see the work that God is doing. That's why I love the next verse. Verse 15, Jesus says to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you looking for? Right now, in this very moment, God is able. The same God who's able to bring a dead man back from the grave is at work in our lives, and we often fail to see it. In fact, I wonder if sometimes Jesus doesn't ask the exact same question to us he asked of Mary when Jesus says, Why are you weeping? What are you looking for? Because I'm standing right here. Right now. Mary can't see God's messenger. She can't see God himself. She actually blames God for the trouble she's facing. Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you looking for? And supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. Mary didn't struggle simply to recognize Jesus. She actually blamed Jesus for what would turn out to be, in time, the greatest blessing the world had ever received. I wonder if that's ever happened to you. Have I ever confused Jesus with a gardener? No. Okay. <laughs> but have you ever found yourself in a moment of fear or panic and blamed God? Only to later find out that moment had been a great blessing. It happened to me this week. Easter's my favorite time of the year. Most pastors would say that. Easter's the, the single greatest day of the year. And it's not just because our churches are full, though that's amazing. It's also because of the message of hope that comes forth so beautifully and so perfectly at Easter. People encounter God at Easter. It is an amazing day. And so the week leading up to Easter last week, I was just grumpy. I was grumpy. Maybe that's not the right word. I was pouty. The whole week I was pouting because I wanted to see all of you on Easter Sunday. And I knew I wasn't going to be able to do that. All week long, I was virtually impossible to live with. And finally, Easter Sunday came. You know what happened? Is that for the first time, and probably the only time, in the childhood of my children. I had a chance to be there when they saw their Easter baskets for the first time. We got to go on an Easter egg hunt together this year. We played games. We had a bonfire. All those days of being grumpy, and it turned out 
It was the best Easter I could remember. And you might say, okay, well, that's fine. It worked out well for you, but what about everybody else? Well, last week we had 2,826 people join us for Easter worship, which is about 600 people more than we've ever had on any Easter service ever. Nobody wants to be in worship in person with you more than me. And as soon as it's safe, we'll be together again. But I spent so much time focusing on what wasn't there. I almost missed what God was doing in my own life and in our church family. Right now, God is able If we will simply pay attention, we will see. One last note. Look with me at verse 16. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned and said to him in Hebrew, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said, do not hold on to me because I have not yet ascended to the Father. But go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father. To my God and your God. That's an interesting turn of phrase. My Father and your Father. My God and your God. It's adoption language. That's what it is. It is in the resurrection that God completes the adoption. The one who had been the father of Jesus Christ now becomes the father of all humanity. All those who would claim the power of Christ. By the way, you know what the word adopt means? It means to choose. The power of God endured death and sin. It overcame the cross and the grave. Why? Because God has chosen you. And the same God, the same God who is able to triumph over death, conquer sin and the grave, the same God who loves you so much that not even death could keep him from you, that God is still able right now, in this moment, to overcome every giant in our path. Right now, in this moment, God is able. Paul's promise assures us that God's power is greater than any power. Mary's story shows us that even though we haven't always recognized God at work in our lives, God is, one, still at work, and two, helping us to recognize God's power every day. I don't know what kind of thing you're facing. I don't know what it is that keeps you awake at night or causes you to struggle with your faith. 
But at various seasons in our lives, all of us have challenges. Next week, we'll continue this study, but for today. Today, remember that God is able. No matter what you are facing, God is able. The one who can conquer sin and death and hell can conquer the complexities of our problems, and that God can do it right now. Yes, God is able. Would you pray with me? Lord and our God, Father in heaven, blessed Christ and Holy Spirit, we thank you for the presence and power you demonstrate in our lives in each moment. And sometimes, like Mary, we can fail to see that you're standing in front of us. Sometimes we can fail to see the messengers that you've sent. Sometimes sometimes we actually blame you when all you've done is strive to bless us. Forgive us, O oh God. Help us not simply to trust in your power in the lives of others. Help us not only to trust in your power within the past or into the future, but help us, O God, to believe that you are able right now, for indeed you are. You are greater than any challenge. You are able. And God, help us not only to believe this for ourselves, but then to go forth and share the depth and breadth of your love and power in every way that we can. We pray these things in the name of Jesus Christ, that name that is above all name. And no matter where we are, in this moment, all of God's people say,